Yadagaba, Yamage ne Madeline Gamilaro Yundali, Tenafield D. Ne Yalagi Maga, Winge, Bandalang, Guriga Ganangu, Walai Baga, Nale Buddha, Gagiga. So, welcome to our second episode. My name's Maddie. I'm here today with Elle, and we just wanted to um, start the episode off, as always, with paying our respects to the traditional owners of the land that we're meeting on today. Um, that is the Bunjalung people. I'd also like to extend those respects to the Gulbengia and Yegul um, people, who are our neighbouring nations around here, and also to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Um, we acknowledge that this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So as I said, I've got Elle with me again today. Um, Elle is an emergency doctor um, and I'm a registered nurse in the emergency department. And what are we talking about today? Um, So we thought we might give everybody a little bit of insight into what happens when you come to the hospital and to the emergency department, um, the different areas of the emergency department, the staff that they might meet, the type of monitoring they might see and what could happen to them after that. Yeah, so we thought it was just like a natural thing for us to talk about. Being the early on and second episode, we both work in this environment and it's just something that we feel like could be really helpful for people to sort of allay any fears they might have about coming into the emergency department. Um, And yeah, it's good to have two insights as well because we do play, whilst we do similar things within the department, we also play very different roles as Mm. well. So Elle, I know, um, as I said earlier on our first episode, you are now um, working in our local emergency department, which is, I guess, a regional, rural sort of um, setting. Where else have you worked in Australia? Uh, So in medical school, I did a little bit of time in another regional town in Albury, down on the New South Wales-Victoria border. Um, But when I first became a doctor, I worked for a while on the Central Coast, which is also kind of an outer metropolitan Um, regional centre and then most of my emergency medicine training was actually in the middle of the city in Darlinghurst at St Vincent's Hospital Um, so very different very very different (laughs) yeah yeah and like that we're looking to you know bring those different perspectives too because you know um, obviously not everyone is going to be in a regional setting or a city setting and things are very different across the country Um, not two EDs are the same. I've been lucky enough to work in a couple um, throughout my student years and I've yeah really noticed there's a lot of differences between them as well, as well as a lot of similarities. Mm. Yeah. So Maddie, do you have some stats for us about common hospital presentations and emergency department numbers? Yeah, yeah. So I try and be prepared. <laughs> um, but basically, I just want to bring a few general stats about emergency departments across Australia. So Um, So according to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, um, there were over 8.8 million presentations to the ED between 2020 and 2021. And interestingly enough, um, the majority of those came from people aged between the ages of 0 and 6 and over 65, um, within that over 65 bracket, the majority of that being over 85 years of age. And again, coming from that, if you're um, presenting to the emergency department over the age of 85, you're also more likely to be admitted to hospital, which is something that I think we commonly see as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we see that in our day-to-day job. Absolutely. And um, it's reported that the major cities, um, which probably comes as no surprise, more likely to wait longer um, to be seen uh, based on your triage category. 
And in 2020 to 2021, however, that 71% of the presentations are actually seen within the allocated time based on triage. And we'll talk about triage a little bit um, later, but basically that's the category that you're allocated when you first see the nurse, um, when you arrive at the emergency department. And that category actually helps to um, dictate, you know, the time frame in which you need to be seen based on how potentially unwell um, you could be when you come there. So... That's basically it. The rest are a little bit boring, just basically saying that 80% of um, presentations are between the times of 8am and 10pm. Again, we see that as well, that, you know, it's obviously quite busy during the morning and the afternoon shifts. Um, but yeah, what do you find most common in the emergency department? In terms of the presenting problems? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, it's obviously really varied, but really common stuff is tummy pain, yep. chest pain, yep. um, you know, people with coughs, cold, flus, runny nose, broken bones. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, Maddie, um, from our experience, we'd probably say most people come to the emergency department by private transport or by car. Um, coming by ambulance is probably actually the least common way that people arrive. Definitely, which I think is um, busting a bit of a myth because I think people associate emergency with lights and sirens, ambulance, but that's definitely not the most common thing to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other myth that's really common that I hear from patients is that they think that by coming by ambulance, they'll get seen sooner. Um, We know that's not true. um, And I guess that leads us into talking about triage and what is triage. You've just started as a triage nurse. so <laughs> Yeah, so basically triage, um, you know, when you first come into the um, emergency department and there's usually a nurse, some places there may be a doctor, like a junior doctor or something like that. But in most areas, it will be a nurse that will um, initially just get your name and address and start off by asking you what brought you into the department that day. And from that conversation, it's really important that we talk about the specific reasons why you came today um, and the pertinent history in relation to that you know for example if you are talking about us having chest pain for example then we really need to know that perhaps five years ago you have had you know bypass surgery or some other surgery on your heart because that might be relevant to you arriving today with chest pain Um, and so categories so what are triage categories So there's five in Australia. This is based on the Australasian triage scale. So category one is the most urgent presentation that we see. And that's things like people who have had a cardiac arrest where their heart has stopped beating or people that have suffered a a major trauma event. And those people are the people that we all drop everything for um, and they get seen immediately. Uh, Then there's category two, three, four and five, which, um, you know, they, they don't necessarily dictate how unwell you feel just because you're a category five doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong with you or you don't feel sick. It just kind of these categories are based on the degree of urgency for a need of medical intervention. Yeah. And it's an overarching guideline. Um, as Elle mentioned, the Australasian triage scale, it's basically an Australia wide thing um, and it really dictates the imminent life threat and it's purely a way of us being able to um, allocate our resources well within the emergency department and ultimately just keep people safe. I think that's so true obviously we don't want people to wait we know you're all uncomfortable and no one's coming here for a good time Um, but you know there's only so many of us and so Mm. much we can do at one time and so this is a way that has been developed for us to deliver the best care that we can to the people who need it the most first. Yeah and you know because of these categories sometimes people 
people um, do end up waiting a little while. So as a result of that, I've noticed that um, things have popped up in departments like different areas. So for example, we have a fast track area. And so someone who may have usually waited a long time to be seen um, because they need some x-rays or something for a sore ankle or something like that may actually get seen a little bit quicker because of this fast track um yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so. And other other departments have, you know, most departments will have a model similar to this. It might mm. be called consults or subacute area or cubicles. Um, but really, the the function of that area is to um, manage minor illnesses and minor traumas um, mm. that might need, you know, a, a quick medical review and an X ray or or a dressing change or a wound, you know, that needs stitches, um, and that we can. Um, you know, see those patients more yeah. quickly in that area. And you'll be able to get home. Yeah, you won't yeah. necessarily need to come into hospital yeah, per se. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So once you see the nurse at the front um, and you are allocated a category, you may have to go back out in the waiting room um, sometimes and hopefully all the time, depending on availability for those higher categories. You will get br- um, brought through to the department so you can be seen um, within those allocated timeframes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I guess that brings us to the the kind of layout and structure of the main part of the department. So there's a resuscitation area um, in most hospitals and that the size and, and equipment there kind of sometimes is a little bit bit varied depending mm. on what um, the local area needs but most most hospitals would have you know at least one bed the big tertiary centers in Sydney some of them have four or five um, and that's where those category one patients would be brought into and a whole team of doctors and nurses and allied health staff are there to um, to see and treat them straight away. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about allied health, and that's probably a bit of jargon that we use from time to time, Mm. (laughs) but um, allied health can include um, your radiology department, so the people who take your x-rays, CT scans, things like that, Um, pathology, so they often won't necessarily come to the emergency department unless we need urgent like blood products or something like that, but they're a big part of being able to obviously diagnose through um, taking a blood test or cultures or things like that, and we'll send them off to the pathology. Pathology have played a huge role um, lately with COVID-19, obviously, because they have been one of the main um, health departments that have, um, you know, led diagnosing COVID-19. So that's, you know, probably brought them a bit to the forefront Mm -hmm. the last couple of years. Um, But yeah, so there's also physiotherapists. Um, We also get people from different teams within the hospital that might come down to the resus bay. You might see a social worker. Mm, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, In our hospital as well, we've got amazing um, support networks from the Aboriginal liaison officers that might come over, um, particularly, you know, if you need that support, if it's a, you know, Mm. a very tough time. Um, And then I guess the last kind of area of the emergency department that people might be exposed to is the acute area and this is in different departments different size and this is where patients come for probably the vast majority of their emergency stay Mm. Uh, and this is where they'll be connected to some monitors they'll often have their tests they'll be seen by the doctor and that's where we'll um, make a plan for them for what what needs to happen next yeah and look the testing and the things that we do really depends on what you've come to the department for that day so something we do commonly see and I think I um, people always ask me about oh you know if I come in for for example chest pain you know am I going to be there for a day or have to stay overnight and that's not necessarily the way but 
We'll do certain um, tests, so for example, in that situation, we'll do an ECG, we'll take a tracing of your heart, um, we'll take some blood tests, and we'll probably repeat those depending on your presentation. And until once we get your results, you may be able to go home, basically. So it's not necessarily that you come to the emergency department and then you're in hospital, um, but obviously if there's a reason for you needing further care, then you'll get admitted, basically, from that stage. Yeah, and that time to being admitted is really variable. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, the hospitals are full and we need to move people around into different areas for different reasons. Mm. And um, But, you know, we, we continue your care in the emergency department until you're transferred up to one of the wards. Yeah, and um, look, a massive, massive part of hospitals that I had no idea about until I actually started working within one is the patient flow. And what we mean by that is that, you know, the, the ward beds may be full and the EDs full and there's literally nowhere for anyone to go. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we just get smashed. Yeah, it's really hard and really stressful day when yeah. that happens. But I guess, um, you know, we want people to know that we're, we're still kind of working hard on their care and all yeah. of this stuff's going on in the background. And, um, you know, that might be one of the reasons why some people are staying in the emergency department longer than what they would yeah definitely so you'll still get all the same care it's just that perhaps you'll stay in an emergency bay for a lot longer than you'd anticipated but you know as Elle mentioned um, it doesn't mean that the quality of care is any different to if you were admitted as a patient I think that covers most things about the ED Mm. in general yeah yeah I mean in our future episodes we are going to talk more specific about um, pre- different presentations and what might happen or what you might expect your body to be feeling or what tests we might do and things like that but for the meantime we just wanted to I guess give a bit of a rundown on the general structure and yeah what does a normal day for you look like? So varied and that's one of the <laughs> things that, that I love um, I guess I, I don't know if people know about the different kind of um, staff that are in mm. the department um, but we we obviously all do shift work so yeah. um, most of us would do either a day shift an evening or afternoon shift and some doctors do night shifts um, and so my day I'm I'm a specialist so I'm the doctor in charge of the department when I'm there um, so my day starts with taking handover of all the patients that are in the department already and we kind of see what's happened to them so far and what's outstanding and what else they need um, then we kind of reassess those patients and, and do those things that are outstanding and, and we start seeing new patients that come through. Um, a lot of my day is managing junior doctors who are, are doing those assessments and I have a bit more of an oversight um, and I certainly spend a lot of time liaising with the team leading nurses so that we can do things like facilitate patients flow and, and move them to the ward. Um, obviously, you know, when someone's a bit more sick, then um, I might be more directly involved in their care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, it's we work really close together in the ED, and I think that can be a little bit different to other areas of the hospital. Mm. Um, but for me, it's you know very similar. We receive handover when we arrive, um, and handover just involves a summary of that patient's care from the previous shift. Um, as Elle mentioned, what's been done, what we do need to do. In terms of nursing care, it can be a little bit different because um, as from the medical perspective, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, you guys are more looking at, you know, diagnostics and trying to figure out what exactly is going on and what that treatment needs to be. And then I guess we sort of carry out that treatment. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to say it. I mean, all of us are... um 
you know, what trying you to know? trying to yeah. get to the bottom of what's going on for a patient. Mm. And I think it does differ in different departments, but certainly in the department that we both work at at the moment, those roles are a little bit fluid somewhat. It's not mm. always going to be a doctor that does your blood test. I think far more often in our health department, the, the nurses, nurses are doing yeah. your blood tests, which yeah. is fantastic. Um, and, you know, together we come up with a treatment plan with the, with the patient and then you're right, I think often it's the nurses that are actually instituting the, the plan that we've all come up with. Yeah, yeah, and I think like a really important aspect of all of this that we haven't spoken about yet is that you have such a say in this care as well, you know, um, particularly, you know, if we're looking at, and it can be a bit of a sensitive topic, but if we're looking at end of life and things like that, you do have control over what sort of things we do. Sometimes a lot of interventions can be quite invasive or hard on the body and you always have the right to say no or express your concerns or ask for further information and I hope that as emergency um, professionals whether it be doctors or nurses that we really do take the time to educate so that you can fully understand what's happening within that. I agree and I think that's one of the things we're hoping to achieve with this podcast is Mm. that people have a little bit more knowledge and understanding um, and that'll allow them to become participants in these discussions that we're having because you know we we don't want to dictate what happens to people we want to give you the information you need and the options that and the recommendations we have based on the training we have but we want to we want to come to an answer and a solution and a plan that um, works for you yeah because Mm. your perspective is so important like half the time I don't know um, and Elle will probably agree with this but it'll be hours into um, the care for someone and then you get that time to actually sit and talk to them and they tell you things that you go oh my gosh this changes things completely or it makes such a big difference to their care so I think we want to have those conversations with you and we want to hear your perspective and what you're thinking about you know how you're feeling or what's happened leading up and I think I mean it it kind of it's we ask certain questions with that in mind I always ask people you know who's at home with you um who do you live with and I I wonder sometimes do people think are we just being really nosy (laughs) but I mean we all are a curious bunch I think we all like to know stuff about people and that's why we do our job but really some of that information we're asking because it's going to help us um you know make a recommendation that we think might be a bit more tailored to what's going on in your life that's a great point because there's so many times where I'll ask a question and I feel like I'm I got like delving too deep or being yeah. very personal with someone I'm like I, I just got to remind myself that it's you know it's it's always, you know, to plan your care to the best of our ability based on what supports you have around you. Um, you know, if, if you are going to go home and you're going to be by yourself, then that might change the way that we, do, you know, plan your care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's about it. <laughs> we yeah, almost went through the like tangent enough. But um, I hope that that shed some light for you guys. Um, and as I said, moving forward, we'll probably talk about a little bit more specific presentations. And also, as I said earlier on our first episode, we will be talking about things that you can do to actually prevent coming to see us because... We like seeing you, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you to come and see us all the time. Yeah. And you probably don't want to come and see, see us, us all the time. time. <laughs> uh, Thanks. Bye. bye. Whilst we are registered medical professionals and all efforts have been taken to ensure information presented is correct, this podcast contains general medical information and not individual health advice or treatment plans. There is no guarantee of completeness or accuracy. If you feel unwell or have specific questions about your own health, please see a trusted healthcare professional. The views expressed within, including those of any guest, are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of our employers.